One of the best food scenes in the country, right here in Minnesota. And nobody knows it like magazine food critic and James Beard Award finalist, Jason DeRussia. Now bringing you the most interesting people and hottest trends. Let's listen in as DeRussia Eats. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 29 of DeRussia Eats. It's Jason DeRussia. And in this episode, we focus on the growing Latino culinary scene in the Twin Cities. Two men who likely will be in the mix for the next cycle of the James Beard Awards. Jorge Guzman has been there before. Gustavo Romero should be there without a doubt. Jorge Guzman has been a Beard Award nominee for his work as executive chef at the Brewer's Table inside Surly Brewing, the big destination a brewery here in Minneapolis, an awesome restaurant. Uh, Jorge's been at Solera, a distillery in La Crosse, and now at Petit Leon in Minneapolis. We're going to talk about expectations of a Latino Mexican chef who really grew up in the Twin Cities when it comes to the types of food that he cooks. Really interesting conversation there. Plus, Gustavo Romero brought his love for heritage corn into a tortilla like the Twin Cities have never seen. Nixta changed the game with nixtamalized tortillas that taste like corn instead of kind of nothing. Now he's opened a restaurant in Northeast Minneapolis. We'll talk about his work bringing together a group of Latino chefs and bartendo, bartenders as Cuban, really raising their profiles and drawing attention to some incredible talents in Minnesota. I just went to Oro by Nixta, the restaurant that Gustavo opened next to his tortilleria. And I'm telling you, this is uh, modern Mexican cooking like no one else is doing in Minnesota right now. It is phenomenal. And you're going to really enjoy hearing from both of these terrific chefs, Jorge Guzman and Gustavo Romero, in this episode of De Russia Eats. And our guest is Jorge Guzman, the chef and owner of Petit Leon in Minneapolis, among other projects. Chef, it's so good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Uh your story and your journey uh, has been amazing. I've been following you, of course, uh, for years here in the Twin Cities. You have run uh, some pretty major kitchens. You took on what I thought was maybe maybe the most ambitious uh, operation, certainly of its time, when you ran Surly, the destination brew house. Uh, but tell everyone uh, what your personal journey has been. You were, you were born in Mexico, right? Yeah, I was born in Mexico City and shortly after moved to Merida, Yucatan, where my family's from. Um, lived there till I was about five or six. And then my father got a job in St. Louis, Missouri and moved my mom and my brother to St. Louis. Um, so I grew up in St. Louis. My dad, you know, my parents got divorced. He moved back to Mexico. So my brother and I would always go back and forth from the States to, to Merida as, uh, when we were younger up until probably through high school and whatnot. Um, so I like to say we're the only family removed from our family. So we're the only hmm. two in the, in the States. The rest of our family lives in Mexico. Everyone's in Mexico. Yeah. And so you remember, obviously, when you were when you were little, you know, you moved away when you were five. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many memories you have of that time, but you do remember. I do. The, yeah. The, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember a lot. Not when I was little, little, but going back, I have more memories of mm -hmm. that. You know, we spent a lot of time with my, my cousins, my my aunts, my uncles. Um, not a lot of time with my dad, but mostly my family. And so growing yeah. up around that was great. And, you know, it was it was pretty awesome to, to be in that atmosphere. 
Was food always, uh, you know, when you think of those memories, was there something in in what happened around the table that inspired you to to chase this road? I don't know what happened. I think, you know, some of my aunts and my uncles are great eaters, um, and my grandfather was. And for some reason, I always my memories that I do have because I don't have a lot. Um, yeah, they they revolve around food somehow. Um, and not sure why or how, but like I can, I have distinct memories from that, and I, I don't have other memories. So, I think that was just something that I probably gravitated towards, and being the type of person I am, and the way that I learned, maybe food was probably the the best route to take. And being more of an active person, I think I felt like maybe cooking was the right way to go. What was your first job in a restaurant? Oh, I worked at a restaurant called Chez Leon, which was in St. Louis now owned by Gerard Kraft, and I think it's a niche. I think it's niche. I can't remember the name of it. But I was a busboy, daytime prep cook. I expedited, and I served once. Um, and I, I loved. I fell in <laughs> love with the culture of it. It was my first exposure to uh, the LGBTQ community. It was my first exposure to restaurants and the culture, and I, it was so different from anything that I had grown up with in the suburbs where I lived in St. Louis that I just immediately oh, kind of fell in love with it. Interesting. Yeah. In a way, do you feel like it open, opened your eyes to, to a broader world? I, th- I think potentially, yeah. I'm a very accepting person and it was just, I've never really thought of people as maybe different or, you know, I think people are people and you just have to accept a person as they are. Mm. Um, so for me, it wasn't, um, maybe it wasn't, I think it probably was something that opened my eyes in the sense of like, oh, this does exist and that I can be a part of it. And, you know, when you grow up in the suburbs, you know, 25, 30 minutes away from a central hub yeah. of a downtown, you don't get to see a lot of that, especially in St. Right. Louis. Yeah. I grew up in a Chicago suburb. It's the same, right? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize kind of what was, what was, you know, this is before the internet and everything. So yeah. I didn't realize quite what was going on in the world outside of my own little world. Well, it's the exposure to art and music and life yeah. and different different viewpoints. And so, yeah, I think in a way it probably did open my eyes to a lot of things. What brought you to the Twin Cities? Uh, it was my, my first wife is from here. And so after college, we ended up getting married and then got divorced. And I stayed. You know, I'd already been kind of embedded in here. I'd already, I think put in 10 years into Minneapolis, so I wasn't going to go. Jorge Guzman is with us. Uh, his restaurant, Petit Leon. Uh, your path to get to Petit and uh, a couple other concepts that you're also involved in mm-hmm. uh, was was a winding journey, right? Like, yeah. uh, What of those different jobs that you had, different kitchens that you've run, are are there are there spots that you think like this help make me who I am today as a cook? Yes, two of them in particular. Um, I worked at Redstone for a year as a sous chef right out of culinary school, mm. and I hated it. Uh, but the chef there, Francis Gonzalez, taught me how to actually run and organize a kitchen, how to set it up how to do logistics, how to do systems. Without him and that job, I never would have been able to open Surly and have it run as smoothly as it did. 
Because Redstone is busy. It is. It's a busy place. Yep. But at 25, you want to be creative, and it's not the place to be creative. But I took what I learned, and it's been able to Hmm. help me be successful in the long run. Because Surly, you know, at its peak when everything was open and you were running Brewer's Table, I mean, you would be doing, what, 1,800 covers a night sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, it it was wild. I mean that's crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, and it was is good. It yeah, that's, that's everyone was so surprised. Like, oh, the food's actually good. It's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's we, hard to do volume and good though, right? Um, yeah, not if you know what to do. I guess you yeah. know. There's but most people don't have that kind of experience. They're you know, uh, yeah. You have the hotel chef, which is doing volume, and there are hotel chefs that are some. Mm-hmm pretty awesome chefs i think who can crank out the volume and do quality yeah but often you have to sacrifice you know yeah you have to think smart you know like barbecue for instance can be done at massive volumes and be really good so that's yeah. why we did barbecue that's why you did barbecue yeah. right jorge yeah. guzman is with us how do you describe petite leon it's in uh, south minneapolis mm-hmm. um how, how how do you think about it? How do you describe it? Uh, we were just talking about this the other day. I was actually going to do an Instagram post to see what people thought. Because when people ask me, well, what kind of restaurant are you? I have a hard time answering. But first and foremost, we're a neighborhood restaurant. When it comes to the cuisine, it's very different. Because Petit Leon is a combination of French and Spanish. We do some French. We do some Spanish food, some technique. But there's a really strong Mexican vein that runs through our menu. And so when you walk in, you walk into this what feels like a brasserie that should be in New York City. It's dark. It's got great mirrors. It's got a great vibe. And then all of a sudden you see the menu and some of it's in Spanish and some of it's in English. And then there's Mediterranean food and there's, you know, Bulgarian touches here because of (laughs) one of our cooks. And so it's kind of a we didn't want to be pigeonholed. I, I wanted to cook what I felt like in the moment but always have a really strong backbone in what my culture was, which is Mexican. You're at 38th and Nicolet. Jorge Guzman is our guest. Um, What I love about, I also struggle to explain what Petit Leon is. And I wonder sometimes, is that the restaurant industry's fault? Is that the media's fault? Is that the diner's fault that we want to check a box and say, this is an Italian restaurant. This is a, whose fault is it? I don't, I don't know if there's fault, but I think it's just people love checking boxes and putting things in categories, and we're just not we, – we're not that. Um, I think it, it leaves the door open for creativity, leaves the door open for people that are willing to experience something without knowing exactly what they're going to get to come in and be like, well, let's give it a shot. You know, when I go to, to you know, Quang's, I know I'm getting Vietnamese food. When I go here, I know I'm getting this. But when I go to Petite, it's like, well – what are we going to get? You know, you're going to get a burger if you want it. It's always there. Right. But, you know, any given day we're doing the same foods sometimes, but in different sets with different flavors. And is that how you keep it fresh where it's it's the same main entree, but you're changing it or not entree, but change main main focus, I guess, and yeah. then changing this the presentation? Yeah, kind of. You know, we took... Any chef that I, that I know or and myself, when I go out to eat, I, I want those comforts too. Like I want a great salad. I want oysters. I want fries. I want a burger. I want roasted chicken. I want a steak. Um, I want mussels. I want that, that kind of food. And so that's what we have. And if you always look at our menu, we always have those things. But they might 
look different. One day the muscles mm-hmm. might have like a carrot and duja sauce and the next day it might be green curry. You know, it's, it just kind of flips. Um, we have a lot of great talent in our kitchen that has input. The menu is only about 40% mine. The rest, it's the team's. Um, and that keeps things moving and more entertaining for all of us. You have an awesome, awesome team. Like some yeah. of your cooks are, you really incredible. I out. Yeah, it's they're they're phenomenal, and and people that have come through and left um, are, have been phenomenal as well. Let Let me ask you this uh, before we take our first break. And you you have often talked on social media, in uh, local media interviews about. Uh, your Mexican heritage and about being a Mexican chef. And I wonder how that plays out, uh, how you think that through in the context of doing a restaurant that has French influences, that has, you know, Mediterranean flavors, that has, uh, in, in a way, is there a societal expectation that if you're a Mexican chef, you need to be doing tamales and tacos and chimichangas? Yeah, there there might be. Um, I want to do, I would love to do a 100% Mexican restaurant, but Petite wasn't the right space. It takes a lot of money to do it. I do it in Ohio. You know, I have a restaurant in Ohio that's 100% Mexican. Um, but when I looked at the space for Petite, it's a neighborhood restaurant that that space determined what that menu was going to be and what that was going to be. You can't force it. And so I think, yes, sometimes there might be a societal pressure to do what you're your name invokes like Hmm. you know if you looked at me on the street you wouldn't you would guess i'm scandinavian you know right beard blue eyes but then my name's jorge it's like oh well then judgment starts to happen right it's like well what do you do who are you you yeah you know so yeah i think yes and no um and are you mexican enough is your restaurant you know you have another hour (laughs) right (laughs) yep yeah it's 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 a form of racism that doesn't get spoken about enough, um, but I get it every. I'll walk out to the bodega, speak Spanish, and I'll get returned in English because I'm I look white, you know, and vice versa. I'm not accepted by some Mexicans because I look this way, or I'm not Mexican enough, or I'm not white enough. It's kind of it's kind of nuts. It is nuts. I I am glad that you're able to that. I mean, you should cook whatever the hell you want to cook. I agree. Like I, I'll show up and eat it. Like, I, I think that's <laughs> that's where we should be. It's 421. We're going to take a break on DeRussia Eats, brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board and Liquor Boy. When we come back, we'll talk about another uh, restaurant concept that you have that you've been kind of working on, and I think it's something that people uh, will absolutely love. Uh, and then we'll get your three favorite restaurants as well, places you like to go. 422. DeRussia Eats continues in a minute here on CCO. Twins Ticket Tuesday in effect today, presented by Miller Marine of St. Cloud, Minnesota's largest Bennington dealer. When you hear that win twins sound effect, third caller, four packet tickets, Twins versus Guardians, next Saturday, June 3rd at 6.15. First 10,000 fans on that Saturday the 3rd get a Joe Ryan bobblehead, by the way, presented by Delta. Tickets at twins.com, but caller number three will win when you hear that sound effect. DeRussia Eats continues with Jorge Guzman from Petite Leon, uh, which is at 38th and Nicolet in Minneapolis. And Jorge is, uh, during the pandemic, you know, because you opened right, like, in the thick of it, uh, you were doing this kind of al carbon uh, chicken called Pollo Pollo pop-up, right? 
Yeah, I started doing the Poyo Poyo pop-up in Wisconsin when I was out of a job and needed to make ends meet. Um, and I would travel all over the state. I came back to Minneapolis. The first one I did, I did a, a Nettie Colon's house in her backyard. <laughs> um, and then when we opened Petite during the pandemic, we ran it as a ghost kitchen um, and did the full meal packet. So you could only get like a meal, which was, you know, whole chicken, beans, rice, the whole nine yards. Um, and now I'm looking for a brick and mortar space to get it open. I had only had, before I had it from you, that style of chicken once before. There's a tiny little like uh, counter shop on Lake Street in Minneapolis that does it. Uh, Poyo Poyo, explain kind of what makes it different. So it's it's um, cooked over charcoal. So Poyo Al Carbon just literally means grilled over charcoal. Um, and you can find these restaurants all over Mexico. And they originated in Sinaloa and then just kind of worked their way down the coast and um, you know, they're prevalent in the Yucatan and there was a restaurant in Tulum called Pollo Bronco. And I was there one mm-hmm. summer and I ate there like eight days in a row. And I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this in, in Minneapolis. And that's kind of what sparked the idea. And that was like eight years ago. What, uh, where would you, are you looking for a spot or where I, are you I at? I am. So where I'm, you know, I'm currently searching for investors and looking for spots and actively doing both, um, I've got some interest on both sides, so it's just kind of a matter of time and trying to figure out, yeah. you know, how to align everything to to get it. Open. It feels like it would be like right on the right on the spot of the type of food people are interested mm-hmm. today. It's got a story, it's got a cultural connection, but it's also like highly transportable, yeah. very to go friendly, all of that stuff. It's family friendly. It's fast casual. It's super tasty. It's approachable. I mean, Mexican food is the largest growing food segment in the United States. On Latinos in the Twin Cities, I have to say, like over the last year, some of the most exciting food I've had have been from our Latino chefs Mm -hmm. in the in the Twin Cities. Have uh, it's been Latinos have always been here, yeah. But it feels like they're finding their voice more and speaking up and and uh, staking a little claim to the culinary kind of community. I guess. Yeah, I think Gustavo put it best. Like we're done cooking other people's food. Mm-hmm. you know yeah so yeah know. we're the backbone if you went to many restaurants run no disrespect but run yeah. by white chefs yep. that often the kitchen would be largely latinos and now you're seeing many of those men and women mm-hmm. running their own restaurants doing their own thing yeah absolutely yeah. it's been like that for for many years it's cool it's good to see mm-hmm. uh jorge guzman is with us petite leon 38th and nicolet in minneapolis also has a restaurant in uh, dayton ohio called sueño and then uh, hopefully going to open Petit Leon here. When you think about uh, your favorite spots to go to, three favorite places you go to, and I know you moved out to the godforsaken suburbs now. <laughs> this way, you know, this is on you. It the is. suburban food is getting better, but it's still yeah. like it's a long way to go. It's a long way to go. Yeah, I think my three favorite spots. Um, I, if a week goes by that I don't go to Black Walnut, I'm very disappointed in myself. Mm. Um, yes that's some of the best bakery i've ever had i mean it's it's so good um brasa it is, is so good we we had sarah on the show yeah and she talked about finding inspiration in the routine and in the repetition and uh-huh. in the box and i thought that was kind of interesting she's phenomenal i mean i if if people have not been there yet 
Like it's a gem. It's probably one of the it best is. bakeries in the country. Like hands down. I agree. I I'm shocked she has not made it to the Beard Award list. Oh my god! I text her every year. I'm like, I can't believe you're not on the list. It's it it's mind boggling. It is that good. It really yeah, is. It really is. Yeah, hundred percent. It is unbelievable stuff. All right, number two. Um, in no particular order. Um, I would say Animales. Um, mm-hmm. Love John's Barbecue. I think it's hands down the best in the state. Um, I love John too. You know, he's such a such a good guy. such a good person, and he cooks such yeah. great food. And he's been really, he's really been working his butt off for a very long time. And his he's due. He's due for some good stuff. So I'm really looking he's forward. Right, out, right outside Bauhaus is yeah. where people can get his, and he's working on a brick and mortar also. Yeah, I can't wait for that. Yeah. It's going to be delicious. Yeah, he's a good, good, good cook. Um, and then my my last one is Brasa. Um, it's mm. just go to. It's so good, never disappoints. I've not had a bad meal there since I've started eating there. Yeah, that's that's what I brought home for my wife for her birthday. <laughs> Alex is going to be on uh, June fifteenth. Oh, so. nice, nice. Uh, the uh, owner and chef behind Brasa and Alma. Uh, Jorge, if you have one wish for kind of what uh, your restaurant and what you'd see from Petit Leon going forward in the next couple couple months, what would it be? I want to stay busy. You know, yeah. we're a lot of us are still struggling. It may look like we're doing great, but the restaurant industry is fickle and we need people to make it work. Got to go eat. Yeah. Got to get get out there and support the the people you love. Go uh, check it out. Go to Petit Leon. And if if I'm wrong, you well, I'm not going to pay for your dinner. <laughs> but if I'm wrong, you can you can text me and tell me yeah. I was wrong. But go go check it out. Jorge, it was great to have you on. Thanks, Thanks for so coming much. in. Appreciate it. Jorge Guzman. Petit Leon is the restaurant thirty eight and Nicolet in South Minneapolis. Russia Eats continues. Here's your host, Jason DeRussia. And our guest today on DeRussia Eats, brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board and Liquor Boy. Our guest is Gustavo Romero, the chef and owner of Oro by Nixta in Nixta Tortilleria. Gustavo, it's so great to have you here. I'm glad to be here, man. Thank you. You have had an incredible ride since you opened your tortilla operation in northeast minneapolis uh how long have you been making nixtamalized tortillas over there uh so we start in may of 2020 so right uh when the pandemic started yeah so we we going on three years now what a crazy time to open a restaurant right because your original plan wasn't only to be making tortillas well, no, no, no. We, you know, it kind of became uh, out of necessity, but uh, the idea was to, we wanted to make tacos. We wanted to have a, a great tortilla for the tacos, and it kind of turned up into one hour's next day. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? I mean, when you were first thinking about this business, and, and you have been a chef for a long time, um, but this was really reconnecting with sort of your heritage. You were born in central Mexico, right? Right, right. Yeah, I've always been around corn. Um, I work in Italian restaurants for a while, so I, I kind of removed myself from it. You uh, you cooked in Italy, right? I did. I did. I was in Florence for, for some time. And then a number of hotels. You were in San Francisco. Were you in Miami before you came I, here? I was in Miami as well, yes. Yeah. 
And then you can't. What brought you back to Minnesota? Uh, my wife. My wife. Just, uh, wife. Another incredibly talented Minnesotan who, who ended up here because of a woman. Yeah. That's yeah. how I mean, it goes. She, yeah. Yeah. She, uh, her family, her family lives here and, you know, it, it, Minneapolis has uh, a lot of good things, and one of them is is uh, accessibility and 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 being able to to do a lot of things that we wouldn't be able to do in places like San Francisco, Miami. I thought you were going to say women. Well, that's a good thing about Minnesota too. <laughs> just your wife. It, it just is, like it, keep it. Let's not get anybody in trouble here. Uh, you were the sous chef at Marin, right? I was. Yes. Yeah, I think that's when I first had your food. Yes, yes, with uh, Chef Mike Raken. Who's a terrific chef. Great I, I guy. love him. I love that guy. And then you've really had this. Uh, to me, what's interesting is your your background really in cooking Italian food has, I, I think that experience, I'm curious what you think about it, sort of the the flavors that you develop in Italian school, has that, has that affected sort of the chef you are today? From a yes. technique and a yeah yeah definitely uh, you know when Italian food has a lot of similarities in in the way they the the cooking times mm. you know all the sugos all the uh, the intensity of making pasta which is is uh, almost a correlation with what we do with the tortillas um, uh, how so uh, just how labor intensive they are oh. uh, you know it's like very hand involved and I think that's not a lot of ingredients but a lot of right, touch right a lot of touch like a lot of hands so I huh. think that's that's something that I I I kind of always follow uh, on my cooking. That's really interesting, right? Yeah, and there's a certain level of obsession, I think, like with making pasta, to. with making bread, with making tortillas. Yeah, you know, you it's it's funny because you have a good tortilla and you have a good pasta. Uh, somehow you're never happy with it, and you think they can always <laughs> be better. So, our guest is Gustavo Romero. Uh, Nixta is uh, the tortilla. Operation Oro is by Nixta. Oro, O-R-O, just opened uh, right next to your northeast Minneapolis tortilla, tortilleria. Uh, tell us about Oro. Well, Oro is just an extension of Nixta. Uh, we were doing a takeout uh, for, for a while. And, you know, winter months are very difficult. Uh, we lost most of our food traffic. Hmm. Uh, and then we needed a space, so we ended up acquiring uh, the space right next to us. And that place, uh, it was once uh, all one unit when it was a, a catering company. Chow Girls Catering started there. Uh, so it was it was just an easy kind of transition into uh, what we are now. So we are um, a counter service uh, restaurant for now. Uh, we're going to turn into a full-service uh, restaurant very soon. Nixta, it's right at uh, 2nd Street Northeast, right by Dangerous Man Brewing, if people know where that is. Right, 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 right by Dangerous Man and Jung Johnny. What, you know, corn has been a passion. You have a tattoo on your right forearm of an ear of corn. Right. Talk about your journey to creating a tortilla that, uh, for me anyway, the first time I had your tortilla was unlike any tortilla I've ever had before. Because people have an idea of what a tortilla that you buy at the store is. Kind of soft, no mm-hmm. texture really. Um, good. But then when I tried your tortilla, it was transformative. I, I think that's that's exactly uh, what it makes us do this. Uh, in it, when I was in, in California, I had the opportunity to, to make tortillas, and and uh, you realize that not, not a lot of places have it. And then when I moved into uh, 
Minneapolis, uh, we kind of searched around for, for a good tortilla while doing a pop-up restaurant with the Travel Group. And then we couldn't find any. Um, and it kind of, you know, opened a window there to, to ask myself if the people here ever had a good tortilla. And what do you do differently? To, because your tortilla, if I were to describe it, it has, it tastes like corn. You can taste the corn. There's a little more chew. There's a little more texture to it. Uh, still a very firm foundation if you're using it for a taco. But you feel connected to the corn. I mean, it's just, that's all it is. You know, I think the uh, one of the biggest difference between our tortilla and, and what you find in the market is the we, we use three ingredients. Uh, and one of them is just to to do the nixtamalization, and other than that, it's just watering corn. So what uh, is what is nixtamalization? Because uh, that's the name, the foundation of nixta. Right, right. Nixta is just a short for nixtamalization, and it's the process of cooking the corn uh, with an alkaline to remove the outer skin of the of the corn. That's what makes it not palatable for for human, and it also activates all the nutrients uh, needed for for you to be able to digest it. You're sourcing corn from mm-hmm. Mexico here. Yep. Heritage, yep. Uh, yep. heirloom, heirloom, heirloom. Corn. Yep. And so it's a different. Uh, is there a different flavor, a different kernel? I, I think so. I do. I do believe. Uh, you know, we we try to make uh, tortillas with corn here, and and uh, you know, at this point, I think we can make uh, tortillas with any type of corn. Uh, but y- you can definitely see the difference into the corn that we brought in. There are a couple other people doing it in town. Uh, some started around the same yep. time you did. So, uh, and what do you think about that? They're good. They're good. They I, I think. Right? They, I think that should be the standard. Nico's uh, Tacos makes theirs. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Anne is doing it. And uh, Sikin uh, Mimi. Mimi. Uh, and Danny. Danny's been doing it for a while. Uh, um, Once you have a tortilla like that, you you get it, and you can get Nixta tortillas at some co-ops. You're yes. you're all over yes. the place. Now, yeah. Right? A lot of, lot of stores. A lot of restaurants also uh, use it. Uh, the you know the masa and the tortillas itself. Is that a point of pride for you when you go into other restaurants and they're using your tortilla? Is is uh, to me it just proves that we're doing something right. Hmm. You know, when somebody that is knowledgeable about food uh, wants to use our product, that means that, you know I'm I'm doing something right. Gustavo Romero is a chef. He's a businessman. He's the owner of Nixta and the restaurant that just opened called Oro. He has also brought mezcal into the studio. Uh, so already you're the hero of the afternoon so yes. far. I, I wasn't sure if I was. You're allowed. It was okay with that, but you know, you know, this is radio. <laughs> Anything go over at TV? I mean, there's no, there's no cameras here. Nobody cares here. Yeah. Well, at least as far as I know, I don't know if they care. They're afraid to tell me, Dan. I think that's that's what. Uh, as long as you don't leave it laying around the studio. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I've been getting grief all day because I left some rosé bottles here oh, from our go. show yesterday. Uh, we'll talk about Mezcal and kind of your passion for that. I also want to talk about uh, what it means to you to be a Mexican chef in uh, the context of today's cuisine and uh, the context of our food scene here in Minnesota because you've been on the forefront of really elevating the profile of some incredible talents here Mm -hmm. uh, in the Latino community, which has been really cool. So we'll talk more about that as well. More with Gustavo Romero from Oro from Nixta. Here on DeRussia Eats, we thank the Pork Board and Liquor Boy for their support. Gustavo Romero is with us. Nixta, you can find his tortillas in uh, many co-ops, many stores. Uh, You can find it right at Nixta and visit the counter service restaurant Oro that has just opened. I have to say, I went to the soft opening of Oro, 
And the food we had is unlike any Mexican food people have had in this state. It was absolutely incredible. Just phenomenal. You are so talented. Thank you. Uh, And you also are uh, pretty universally liked, which is very interesting. It's not always the case in the culinary community. (laughs) But part of what you've been doing over the last couple of years is organizing a group of Latino chefs and bartenders. And you've been doing events, uh, which to me have been some of the most creative and exciting food events, period, that we've ever had in our state. What what drove you to kind of uh, gather that group together? I guess just make the movement bigger. I think that uh, we we are in a point where people are seeing what we do. I think that it's a lot of people like myself that uh, it was kind of hidden in the back uh, for a long time. You know, we've been working in restaurants and kitchens for a very, very long time as as a cooks, as a dishwasher, as a sous chefs. And I think that uh, now we have an opportunity to, to show people where we come from and what we can do. And the more we can help people and the more we are, then, then we can do something bigger. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm a believer of uh, they, if you're can gather a lot of people and mobilize and, and, and make a bigger noise. Uh, it's helpful for everyone. So Kuben is what? Kuben, yes. Kuben is it's K apostrophe O-O-B-E-N. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think it's, it's done so much to take people who are doing great work in all sorts of kitchens uh, that maybe people didn't necessarily know about right. and elevated right. people. Right. But the fact that you used the fact that you had a bit of a platform – well, I think that everybody does. You know, I, I think that it's a combination of efforts. I mean, Jose Alarcón, he was one of the uh, best chefs in the city. Yes. Uh, and founder of Centro. Founder of Centro and, and, and Popol Vuh. Popol Vuh, and, which and is we have yeah. uh, some uh, great mixologists. And, and everybody else that comes on board is just, you know, they're putting their little, the, the little help um, to make this bigger. Yeah. You love Mezcal. I do. Uh, what did you bring today? Uh, so I have two. Well, that one is for you. Uh, it's, a, it's a bottle. So when you talk to mezcaleros, they always tell you, like, you know, the, the fancier the bottle is, uh, you should be concerned about the juice because <laughs> they usually that's how they head. And this one, this one is one of the ones that I taste, and I was like, oh my god, this is actually really good. Um, it's called Quiereme Mucho, and and I think the just the bottles are are, are super nice, uh, but the the juice as well is is delicious. Uh, and then also I brought this one. So uh, this is a present from uh, Todd. Todd uh, is the uh, beverage manager uh, at Centro in Popol Vuh. Yes. Uh, and then he goes to Mexico a lot, and he is very passionate about mezcal. So anytime we get together, uh, we talk about this. And then uh, to me, this is how you know this is a good mezcal. Like it's just a, a random bottle. With There's like a white a, bottle. A, it a could tape. be vinegar in there. It could, it could be, be. Who knows? It could be anything. Uh, but in my experience, you know, if somebody gives you a bottle of that, like, uh, is uh, one is special and the yeah. other one those those are the mezcals that you share with people for you so some people who love tequila uh, or other agave spirits will say like ah mezcal it's too smoky um, but you there's quite a range I think in in right smokiness I I think the 
It's uh, like people who don't like scotch or they say it's too peaty. You're right. Like, well, maybe. I, I think uh, for you to understand the, the flavor of mezcal, you have to taste more than one. Uh, I think that you, you pass the, the alcohol, you pass the smoke. It is smoky because it is smoky. It is, yeah. Uh, but you have to be able to taste it in comparison to something else hmm. to be able to get some of the flavors. Yeah. Uh, and then when you when you start doing that, then, then it becomes a, a little more... Uh, do you like it? Do you like it neat, or do you like it in a cocktail? Um, well, uh, my favorite cocktail is mezcal negroni. Oh. Uh, so that's you know, just but, take the regular negroni recipe. Yep, and just swap change change the uh, instead the of gin, gin, right? Use mezcal. And uh, but obviously, I, I I love just drinking. Yeah, I think I think there are certain mezcals that you can use for cocktails, and I think there's some mezcals that if you use it into a cocktail, it will lose some of their their. Uh, their flavor. Yeah, it gets covered up by the right. sweetness or the whatever other flavors are in there. Gustavo Romero is the chef at Nixta in Oro. Uh, I know you go out a lot in the Twin Cities, although maybe less now. How old is your... You you had a baby while you're in the middle of right, uh, building right. Nista, right? Right. Uh, so Leo is going to be three years in October, October four. Oh my goodness! Uh, which is funny. It is uh, uh, International Taco Day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, he he's born on that. He, he's born in Taco Day. Did yeah. becoming a father change you at all as a chef? A lot. How a lot. so? Uh, it made me more efficient. Mm. Uh, you know, I was one of those persons that I was always wanted to be at work. I mean, I still do. But now I want to go home as well. Oh, so cool. it, it, it definitely it cut four hours out of my day every day. And then I still get things done. So, so yeah. it, it, it definitely made me more efficient. Interesting. One of our texters is asking what style of mezcal is best with a cigar. With a cigar. Ooh. Uh, you know, I, I really like Tobala, uh, which is that's one that I brought for you. I, yeah. I think the, the, the level of... Uh, smoke and the and the way that is the steel, uh, how it grows, um, it 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 has this uh, almost like a sweet into a smoke taste to it. Hmm. I think it, it's great with 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 cigars. Gustavo Romero is with us. Before we go, I do want to hear your uh, three recommendations, three places that you like to go in the Twin City. Perfect. Uh, well, I just say I don't really go out a lot anymore, but it's it's some restaurants that kind of my way to to home and 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 some that I go. Uh, often, so high high is uh, is like right between uh, Nixta and my house, so I stop there a lot. Um, Dream Creamery uh, is is a few blocks from my house, so my kid every time we we drop by, he starts screaming burger, uh, and we have to stop <laughs> for burger and ice cream. And uh, Wakaya Tapas, uh, I don't know if you've been there. Like that guy is, his yeah. uh, cooking is special. You know, it's something about his grits that just bring me back to the south. We have to give a shout out to to your wife. Oh, Kate! Yes, uh, I'm sure he's listened to us. But uh, yeah, she's uh, you know she's what keeps me going. She um, she's she's what keeps the place straight. She does. She she really runs the operation. Oh but yeah, she's the boss. Around. I always I always say that. Everybody laughs, but you know she she knows how to make sure things get done. Yes. Gustavo, thanks for coming in. We of appreciate course, man. it. man. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Go visit Oro by Nixta and make sure if you see those uh, tortillas, you pick up a pack. They're phenomenal. Thanks, Gustavo. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the DeRussia Eats podcast. On WCCO Radio, 830 AM, we do conversations with chefs, with farmers, with small business people every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. The podcast is available every week. If you enjoyed what you heard... I would love 
for you to leave us a review. Give us however many stars you can. I don't know, 10, 20 stars would be nice, five stars, and leave your feedback as well. It really helps us grow and helps support covering the food community here at WCCO Radio and in the DeRussia Eats podcast. If you'd like to email me with an idea or a question about the restaurant scene, you can email Jason at Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. Jason at Odyssey dot com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the DeRussia Eats podcast. Thanks for listening to DeRussia Eats. Dan Cook is our producer. Jason DeRussia is your host. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. DeRussia Eats is a production of Odyssey.